can't pay the IRS, haven't filed in a while, receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. We are recording on Friday, May 6th, 2022. I'm Jack Fowler, the host, the namesake and star. Victor Davis Hanson is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. You will find everything, links to everything Victor writes, all his appearances at victorhanson.com. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. You know, we've been away, but illness, a little bit of technical things have conspired to keep Victor from commenting on current events, but we're back in the saddle and we're going to talk about the biggest event of the week and maybe in quite some time, in a time of big events. And this is the assault on the Supreme Court traditions and the leak of a likely majority opinion that would overturn the abortion right in Roe v. Wade. And we're going to get to Victor's thoughts on that and more right after these important messages. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. So, Victor, it's good to be talking 
to you again, and I think even better is talking to you is hearing from you and your thoughts on some of these really dramatic things that have been happening in America. After we talk about Roe v. Wade, we'll talk about this Nina Jankowitz, you know, this Ministry of Truth position and kind of lunatic to me anyway, who's going to oversee what free speech is in the United States. Just crazy. But hey, even more important than that is this Roe, the possibility that Roe will be overturned. But we know that because somebody leaked a document. So, Victor, you take on a number of things here in a new piece you've written for American Greatness. It's titled Losing the People. That's a question, question mark. Then change the rules. You talk about, Victor, in this piece, court packing, threats that senators have made against Supreme Court justices, such as Chuck Schumer, Barack Obama calling for new states so he can get four more liberal senators, salts on the Electoral College. So here's a little quote from this piece. And then, Victor, if you will take on what you wrote here and give us your thoughts about what's happened with the SCOTUS uh, Supreme Court situation. You wrote, so what is behind leaking Supreme Court drafts of impending opinions or seeking to pack the Supreme Court with 15 justices or ending the Senate filibuster or adding two more states to the 60-year-old 50-state union or curtailing states' rights to set their own balloting procedures or trashing the Constitution's electoral college? The answer to these questions also applies to Joe Biden's promise to cancel millions of contracted federally guaranteed student loans simply by a pre-midterm election executive fiat. And how can Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas openly negate federal immigration law? How can he welcome millions to cross illegally the southern border? The answers are are obvious. Victor, share with us those obvious answers, please. Yeah, I will. I want to apologize to our listeners, Jack, real quickly, because the last two or three podcasts, I was kind of in a brain fog. I didn't know what was going on. I remember I confused the John Ford movie, Sergeant Rutledge is a Sam Peckinpah movie, and I just didn't feel normal. And then four days ago, I got COVID and I had, I guess I'd been fighting it. And so I want to apologize to people if I feel or I sound weird, but this is the fifth day I'm starting with COVID. And I think I'd been fighting it. And one thing I noticed about this thing, it's not just the fatigue, but your brain is scrambled. So if I sounded scrambled, I apologize. I think there's two issues, Jack. The larger one is Biden has this tendency to appoint people to particular cabinets to undermine the purpose of the cabinetcy. So if you have a Homeland Security post for Mallorca's, his job, his he sees it is to make the border insecure. If you have a Pentagon official like Lloyd Austin or the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Mark Milley, and their purpose is to create deterrence for the United States, then they give us Afghanistan or the two existential dangers purportedly is climate change and white supremacy, and we lose, we lose deterrence. If you have transportation secretary like Pete Buttigieg, one thing we know that he will not do is build more roads and bridges. And I could go on with energy secretary and everyone. So it's in that context that we have this disinformation coming out of this new uh, Homeland Security disinformation post. We know that the person who will run it, she will be a master of disinformation. 
And that's the way Biden operates. I shouldn't say Biden, but the people around him who tell him what to do. It's almost that we got to undermine these institutions, recalibrate them for a more socialist or diversity, equity, inclusion nation. And that's really scary is what they're doing. As far as the, the leaked memo, a couple of things that struck me is we really haven't seen that in the modern era. And two, there was no outrage on the part of the left. So it was consistent with this attack on the Supreme Court that started really in the George Bush administration, because once they started, they being the Republicans, started to appoint really conservative justices. I mean, no more Bruce Souters or Justice Kennedy, but people like Scalia and Alito, et cetera. Then the court started to move back to a strict interpretationist or constructionist view, and that set the left off on fire. And the result has been, you know, Chuck Schumer getting out in front of the court and saying, you know, you're not going to know what hits you, Gorsuch. You're not going to know what hits you, Kavanaugh. What does he mean by that, Jack? Does he mean what's what's going to hit them? You don't know what you're what's you're doing. You don't know what you're playing. All that stuff is really an implied threat. And then we saw during Kavanaugh hearing people going in the elevators into the Senate proceedings, sort of the stuff that they objected to on January 6th, the disruption of a congressional process. And now with Jen Psaki cannot even come out and say it's not an ethical or moral or proper thing to go to a chief justice's home, surround the home and scream and yell at them as they publish the addresses. And so this is a sustained attack on the court. And that was what my piece is about. When they don't like something, they the left, and they cannot win a public majority, public approval for their position, they either do one of two things. They try to change the rules, get rid of the filibuster, pack the court, get rid of the electoral college, bring in two more states, you name it, or they try to change the demography. And as I said in the piece, it's very ironic because the Hispanic voter is moving in historic fashion to the center and maybe even the center right. If that should happen, they will close that border in two seconds. And then second, all they're doing is setting precedents for the next Republican president. So the more power they invest in executive orders and fiats and ignoring constitutional checks and balances, the more a future president will say, I'm just doing what they did. We've already had one precedent, Jack. That is that if a president loses his majority in his first term at the first midterm, then the out party, the opposition party will impeach him and he will not need a special counsel report. They will not need lengthy hearings. They will not need cross examinations. They will impeach him. And that's the legacy that Biden may look at if he loses this midterm. Victor, I'm not a priest, nor do I play one on TV or podcast, but I just want you to know I offer you absolution for your forgetfulness, Sergeant <laughs> Thank Rutledge. Thank you. I thought, getting, I thought it was getting senile. It's okay. Anyway. By the way, that extremely popular episode, and I think we should do more of that. But let's, if we can stick on the Supreme Court for a second, Victor, this sense that it can be intimidated, it's been proven that it could be. I mean, we had Justice Roberts, so Chief Justice Roberts, I think it's pretty commonly known and accepted that he flipped on the Obamacare decision. 
maybe because of intimidation by the same Democrats who are Chuck Schumer's, the things he's saying now. You know, Chief Justice Roberts seems to me very concerned what the quote unquote Roberts court, its position in history, maybe more so than even, you know, Justice Rehnquist. Did Rehnquist care about the quote unquote Rehnquist court as much as Robert cares about the Rob? I don't think so. But the fact that it can be intimidated, I don't know that it will be in this case. I hope and pray that the ruling that was leaked is essentially the ruling that comes out. But the fact that it maybe could be intimidated has to do with the chief justice himself. Well, yeah. I mean, if if he didn't want to be intimidated, he would call all of the justices in and saying, I'm giving you 48 hours to talk to every one of your clerks. And then we're going to put them under oath under oath, and they're going to swear that they didn't leak this. And anybody who does not go under oath and agree to that is going to be fired. And that would stop it really quickly. He won't do that. And we know it probably came from a left-wing justice. Maybe the rumors are Sotomayor's clerk, but that he's not going to do that. And he probably will vote, I think, with the Democratic minority. And so it'll be a five to four decision. And then he'll think, well, that shows the court this balance. And it was and they had a gut wrenching free exchange of ideas and principles on both sides. And they came to a narrow decision rather than six, three, that looked like, oh, a bunch of right wingers have taken over the court. That's how his mind works. The only problem with that is he doesn't understand how the left wing mind works. And when they look at him, they interpret that magnanimity as weakness to be exploited, not as uh, gratitude to be paid in kind. So that's the problem with him. And you meet John Roberts everywhere, really nice people. And they really do believe in the Marcus of Queensbury rules. And I think that's wonderful for a chief justice, but he's dealing with people who are absolute zealots. And that's the way it is. I don't quite understand Jack, maybe you can correct me, but the Bill Clinton bite your lip facade where abortion was going to be rare and unfortunate and people regretted it, but you didn't want people with coat hangers in the alleys, that kind of approach to abortion. And you were going to stop it, you know, after 12 weeks at the most, I guess we have the most liberal abortion. We can, you can abort in some states up to 24 weeks. Is that right? Or 22 up, weeks? Up till in a number of states. Uh, Six months. Uh, no, up to uh, partial birth yeah. is, is, is legal it's, in some states. It's insane. It's murder. Yeah. But that was the Democrats said they didn't want. And then all of a sudden, the last decade, starting with the Obamas, really, Abortion became almost a holy grail. It was, this is really a wonderful thing. And people started talking about it in reverential tones. Right. And I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't understand that. I mean, if Victor, you're killing somebody. You're killing right, I'm somebody. glad you mentioned Obama because he was a state, as we remember, he was a state senator and he oversaw a committee that he personally blocked legislation in Illinois Related to an extremely rare case of a child surviving an abortion. I remember it became a campaign and, issue. Remember, Jack? Yeah. I mean, that's demented. <laughs> but, you know, so the kid's alive. And what are you going to do? You know, throw him in a bucket and let him let him die. And the number another thing I didn't understand, Jack, was this left wing resort to racism. I mean, as, as I understand it, blacks are what, three times disproportionately given their numbers in the population. 
Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Or more. Is it more? I'm, I'm probably underestimating it. I think they're where, almost where, 40% of all abortions. Yeah. Where, where are the abortion clinics located? They're not in Greenwich, Connecticut. That, they're in that, the inner city. That, yeah. That's number one. And then number two is the whole history of the American abortionist movement under Margaret Sanger, which was a eugenicist movement. And then number three, every once in a while, a liberal icon lets out of the bag what's really going on, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Remember that interview she gave to the New Yorker magazine? She said, well, what's the problem? They're aborting the right people, aren't they? Right. And you get the impression that that abortion is a racist idea because it's killing off young African-American children. And the well, left has no problem with that. Jesse Jackson, when he was pro-life, and he was, till he decided to run for president, condemned ab abortion as, um, I can't think of the right the phrase he, he used, but it was, uh, you know, slaughter of blacks. You mentioned Margaret Sanger, and she concocted the Negro Project, the quote-unquote Negro Project. She did. Yeah, the roots of Planned Parenthood are very much in uh, eugenics and race. So anyway, Victor, that said, you talked about Jen Psaki not condemning protesters, or, of course, the doxing, the addresses we have now, the Supreme Court justices and the left's plans to protest at their homes. And just quickly, Victor, I think some of us still believe when you think of the left, you think of flower children and all this kind of, all we are saying is give peace a chance, happy horse crap. And what violence there is in America right now is to take Dave Chappelle the other day, attacked on stage, right? I mean, it's just one comic, one comedian, but we can't have comedy in America anymore. A trans guy attacked him. Of course, the violence in our streets, 2020. I mean, the left is, is violent. They're violent in the, in the womb and they're violent on the streets of America. And I, I, don't, I still think this is not an idea that has gotten through the heads of a lot of people. Just look at the expression on, I shouldn't say the expression, Elizabeth Warren, when she walked out and commented as she got into her car, she was kind of aided by a, an assistant that steadied her. I guess she was so angry and she just, we're, you know, she wanted to pack the court, but her expression was just so furious or that expression of Chuck Schumer when he was, like I said earlier, screaming at the Supreme Court. I think that was in March or April of 2020. And it was after the Gorsuch debacle few months later. But yeah, the leaders are very angry. And you see Obama, when he gets up on stage now, he starts to tense up and he gets very angry. And Joe Biden has that reptilian look. And then he gets angry. And, you know, he says that the MAGA movement is the most violent or extreme in American history. I'm thinking, oh, more than the American Nazi Party, more than the American Communist Party, Ku Klux Klan, SDS, Weatherman, Antifa, BLM. He just, that's just like a deplorable statement. He just wrote off half the country, but he didn't care. And so, yeah, they're angry. And what are they angry, Jack? They're angry because they got everything they wanted. They got the presidency. They still, despite the Trump appointments, they still control the judiciary. They have the Senate and they have the House. And for 15 months, they've had the most progressive agenda we've ever seen since 1932, 36. And what did it do? It brought abject misery at the border in foreign policy, in inflation, in energy development, in crime, in racial relations, and nobody wants it. It's going to be a blowout in November. And they're angry. Why can't these stupid people appreciate what we're doing for them? 
Don't they understand we have to be exempt? We need private planes. We have to have swimming pools. We have to have our kids in private school. We have to have fences around our estates. How else can we help them? That's their attitude. And nobody wants that. And so now, they, as I said, change the rules, change it, just anything. But they're angry, unhappy people. And there is a mixture. This is going to be controversial to say, but I do feel that there's some unspoken or taboo subject that we can't talk about. But this profile of urban young people, and I'm talking in the early 30s to the late 40s, but you go to an urban setting, you live in an urban area, and your life devotes around satisfying the appetites. You go out to dinner, you go to a concert, your, your whole evenings are taken, and you're upwardly mobile, and you have this degree from the proper place, and you're stamped with the BA, the JD, the MD, the MBA, whatever. And you marry somebody of that social, economic, cultural milieu, and then you don't have children or you have maybe one at the most, and you feel that you making enough money now that, as you point out, you don't pay your student loans off. Why would you do that? But you're making enough money, you can divert attention to more important problems like diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that's a really toxic lifestyle. When the time they get to their 50s, they're very, very angry, bitter people. Unfortunately, I've had to spend my life around a lot of them, and they're just angry, bitter people. And the idea that, you know, you get married a little bit younger, you have children, you have your own home, you pay your mortgage off, a debt that you incur is a debt that you pay back, all of that, all of that uh, that changes a person's behavior and attitude. And that's, I think that's the root causes of a lot of the anger on the left. There's just too many people who feel that when you get pregnant, you abort, you get a condo or apartment and you don't buy a home. And when you take out a big loan, there's going to be somebody life of Julia or pajama boy attitude that you're not responsible for. And then when things don't get your way, you throw a, a teenage temper tantrum like Elizabeth Warren or Chuck Schumer. And that's how you get through life. And everybody gets back and says, give them, give them space. We don't want them to come over to your house and scream at you in the evening. Give them space. They might burn down federal courthouse, 120 days of rioting. Give them space. And that's how we react to them. And Dave Chappelle, let's give him credit, Jack. What did he say afterwards? He said, <laughs> that guy tried to do it. And I went right after, after I got up, I, I went over there and got my licks in, he said. And I, I don't, I think the subtext of that is that the bodyguards came late, but they started right. hitting the guy. And you, when they put him on the stretcher, he looked like they'd been beating him up. But the, I don't condone that. But the point was, in the back of their mind, they thought, this is Gascon's L.A. County. And he right. will not prosecute this guy for that felonious assault. So we're going to do it for him. And that's exactly what happened. He said, well, the gun wasn't real. He's not going to be prosecuted for felony. When do you have to have a gun to be charged with a felony if you go up and physically assault and try to hurt somebody? That's a felonious assault. And so there's pushback is what I'm trying to say, John. Pushback to all this. Well, Victor, some of the people who won't be pushing back are those who are sitting at home on their couches. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, the infantile 
youth or adult infant, infants of America, which you've just touched on. But before we get to that, we'll talk about Nina Jankowitz, the Biden administration's Minister of Truth. And we'll do that right after these important messages. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show recording on Friday May 6th. So, Victor, it's a little um, dated now. Not too dated, though. We haven't spoken about it. Nina Jankowitz is the kind of loon, one of many weirdos uh, that seem to have taken high positions in the Obama administration. Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of Department of Homeland Security, was very defensive of this appointment. I'm sure our listeners have caught her on on her uh, TikTok videos with kind of harsh lyrics set to the tune of supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Victor, the fact that there is even a ministry of truth, however it's being titled, in any administration, in any government in America is extremely troubling. And then to have it head be this quasi-loon is even more disturbing. Victor, your thoughts about Nina Sounds like the worst nightmare of what Abby Hoffman, Dave Harris, Jerry Rubin, the whole 60s hippie movement. Oh, the Nixon people are going to have an office of disinformation and they're going to, you know what I mean? It's, it's so weird that the left is finally where they always wanted to be, totalitarians. And that is where they are. They don't have popular support. So they're going to take, what, a 33-year-old Bryn Mawr graduate and they're going to invest her with the power to adjudicate what is fake and what is not. And they're all going to do it, Jack, under the ruse that it's going to be directed at foreign terrorists. But remember how that works. Remember the uh, Homeland Security under Obama said when people were coming back from Iraq under no evidence, we feel that the chief threat now is no longer Islamic terrorism. And remember, they had all these weird rules. They were extremism and overseas operations for the war on terror. The people General Milley doesn't seem to care about anymore either. Yeah. And they told us that the prime suspects were returning white male veterans and there was no evidence. And that was the very beginning of this. It was the ruse was that we're interested in foreign policy disinformation. And this is what they're going to say. They're going to say these things are about Russian uh, propaganda or Islamic. It's not. 
It's to try to label particular groups. It doesn't even have to convict them or censor them. They're just going to label them officially a disinformationist or a propagandist. And then that person, no matter what they say, is going to be tainted. And that's the purpose of it. You're going to tell a 33-year-old that will have, what, a Jen like press conference every once in a while? This is the disinformationist of the week. And, you know, it could be Ben Shapiro. It could be you and me. It could be anybody. And then we're supposed to say, but we're really not. We're, we, we promise we won't. We'll, we'll do a podcast, Jack. Let's do one on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And maybe, you know what, let's do one on Elizabeth Warren and say, you know what, we, we sympathize with her as the first yeah. Native American. And then maybe they'll take that disinformation label away from us. That's the whole point. Right. And why people on the left, I shouldn't say why they're supported. It makes perfect sense they're supporting. But why they think that that doesn't embarrass them is really bizarre. And they feel that they're so noble that any means necessary are justified by their noble ends. It's really scary. And this woman is a disinformationist. She's the one that swore that Hunter Laptop's genuine computer incriminating the whole Biden family crime syndicate was a product of Russian disinformation. She told us that the Steele dossier and Russian collusion was a real thing. Everything, every critical piece of news that was controversial, she erred on the side of the propagandist against the truth. And now she's been rewarded for that for a purpose. When he was under cross-examination about her appointment, you remember Mallorca just said, I, I can't disclose how we, this is a committee and ultimately I, I, I'm, I'm responsible. I'm the secretary and she's qualified. And that was it. I'm not going to answer any questions, basically. That person, Mallorca's, if they get the House, he should be the first person they impeach because he is abjectly impeachable because he has not enforced the law. He's deliberately destroyed federal immigration law knowingly for cheap political purposes of letting in people who are illegally arriving in the United States. They're not vaccinated. They're not tested. They're not audited. There's no background checks and just lets them come in. And he knows he's breaking the law. And he's the one that created this disinformation idea. He did it to gain points with Joe Biden. Just same thing, Jack, when Joe Biden was mouthing off about the Border Patrol on horses. Remember that? The mounted Border Patrol that were whipping innocent illegal aliens with their long reins. Right. And then he jumped and thought, I can do better than that, Mr. President. And he said, oh, this is horrible. We're going to have an investigation. Remember, Jack, that. Secretary of Mallorca's promises a, a rapid investigation. It took months. When the investigation came back and refuted everything the president and he had said and besmirching his own patrol patrolman, then he didn't apologize. So he's part of the problem. He explains Ms. Jankowicz's appointment. He deliberately appointed somebody, as I said earlier, whose chief reason to be will be to undermine the idea of truth and will be a disinformationist. It's the strangest thing in the world. Yeah. Remember, I was at UC Santa Cruz as an 18-year-old, and there's this real radical guy, and it, nobody liked him. There was some student council, I don't know if it was president, student body, and he came by and said, I want you to vote for me. And I said, why would I vote for you? And he said, because I'm going to destroy it. I go, what do you mean? I'm going to screw things up so bad that this sham of a student council will end. I said, well, why would you take the effort to destroy? Just don't participate. 
Well, that's their attitude. They want to, to, to participate so they can destroy the very mission um, that they're supposed to protect and advance. Right. That's why a lot of Soviet overseen governments in Eastern Europe were the, right, the People's Republic, the Democratic Republic of, uh, you know, the, let's get involved in the democratic process to destroy the democratic People's process. People's Republic, yeah. Well, Victor, I'd like to raise a few things here. We'll get to job quitting. We'll get to the economy, I should say. We can talk about a number of aspects there, but two things, if you don't mind. One is I want to encourage our listeners to visit your website, Victor Hansen, Dot com and encourage them to subscribe because you have a lot of you write a lot of material that is privileged. It's called Ultra, and the only way you can read it, one can read it, is if one subscribes. It's five dollars a month, fifty dollars for the year, and there's a lot of Ultra material. So if you love Victor, you love his writing, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not subscribing. A little side hint here: Mom likes it. Mom likes Victor? Get mom a, a subscription to victorhanson.com. It's a quick thing you can do with Mother's Day coming up. Although when we're this, if this is broadcast after Mother's Day, you may be able to pull something out of the fire if you didn't give mom a gift. And as Father's Day approaches, and not all, this may apply to mothers too, women who like military history. I know on the website, you can find a link to the Second World Wars, Victor's best-selling book from a few years ago, probably about 100,000 copies sold now. Of It's just a tremendous work. And anyone who loves military history will love this book. You'll find that and many other things at victorhanson.com. And then I want to make a recommendation. Never do this, but there's a piece by our friend, George Nash. George is the most lovely and wonderful man outside of Victor. He is also a historian. He's a historian of, of Herbert Hoover. And of course, of some interest to you, Victor, being that you work with Hoover Institution. But George has a piece up on Acton Institute. I can't give the link because, but go to acton.org. Acton is the organization founded by Father Robert Sirico. It's about you know, free markets, et cetera. But it's titled Conservatism and Its Current Discontents a survey, and a modest proposal. So for our listeners who are interested in the state of conservatism, I think this is a very important and worthwhile and interesting piece. And I want to recommend it maybe on a future podcast, Victor, we could talk about that. Now, that said, as I, I'm looking right now, it's Friday at uh, a little after 11 on the East Coast, headline on the Drudge Report, April jobs up 428,000. Another link, but participation Falls. Other headlines, Victor, right now, there are 11 million unfilled jobs in America. The job quitting trend is growing. And I don't know what else to say other than we have to, there's a nation of, of infantile adults. If an adult is someone over 18, there are a lot of babies that would rather not work than work. Well, they're all sitting home and they're hoping their student loans will be paid off by the government. Well, let's let's combine all those issues. And we've talked about student loans before, but it just seems this is do, I, I don't know. Do you think something is actually going to happen there? Do you think Joe Biden is? Yeah, I do. Do, do. I think he's going to split the difference between total amnesty and maybe something like 10 or twenty thousand dollars he's going to give. If he was smart, he's not smart. You know, I oppose all of it, but if he was smart politically, he would have a cap on current income. So if you were making over $100,000 a year, you would not get amnesty. But of course, 
And then you run into the, the paradox. Well, what if somebody skimped and saved and, you know, and worked really hard and has three jobs and makes 101,000 while somebody stays home making 20,000 working two days a week. So once you get into trying to micromanage people's lives rather than just set a standard that everybody knows in advance what it is and whether you want to abide by or not, you get in trouble. And I know people in my family, I know people all over the spectrum, left, right, black, white, brown, you name it, that don't feel they have to pay off those loans. They just don't. And they don't feel, I know other people, I see them every day that don't feel they need to work. And I have this saga, Jack, that I started with, you know, a little kind of burned uh, part of my attic and then insulation removal, knob and two renewal, new roof. Then all of a sudden the pipes were bad, new septic, new, and I've been doing this now. It's driving me nuts for over three months, but the big common denominator with everybody who comes out is the same thing. It is some fanatically hardworking contractor, maybe one or two of them. And then, and then maybe one or two loyal, hardworking employees, all of them who are making more money than they ever have made in their lives and have more business than they can possibly accommodate and are willing to pay rates that they would consider obscene talking $25 an hour for unskilled and they can't find anybody. They cannot find anybody. They cannot get people to yeah. divorce themselves from the California entitlement COVID, you name the excuse, but the entitlement industry, or, or if they can find somebody, the person wants to be paid in cash at the end of the day, every day. So when Joe Biden bragged the other day about the unemployment rate, doesn't mm -hmm. matter what it is. It's the labor non-participation rate. Right. or the labor participation rate, it's going down. And we're only like 62%, 61% of the available workforce is working. And everybody says, well, look at the 3.6 unemployment rate. Well, look at all the people who are not participating. If they were participating, believe me, we wouldn't have, what, 1.4 negative GDP growth right. in the first quarter. Right. They could be helping us rebuild. They could help us get out of COVID. They could do a lot of stuff. And I can tell you after having COVID for four days, the biggest frustration I have is I've been working each day in bed, but it's not being able to work fully. And it, it's stressful because you want to do so many things. You have all these deadlines and things that are piling up. You feel so terrible. You disappointed people. Yeah, I was going to be at that meeting. Yeah, I was going to give that lecture. I promised I was going to go on this TV thing. And you just have to cancel because you're, you know, you're 101 temperature, you're dizzy, you're achy can't speak or sound terrible, but I just don't understand that attitude that you're healthy, the sun rises and you want to do what? Play video games? Yeah. It's Work. a nation of uh, pant loads. It's uh, I guess it's, what it is. It's a nation of Julia's and pajama boy. Well, Victor, it's that time of year, college graduation. And I'd like to get your thoughts on principle about commencements. And we'll do that right after these important messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor College graduations, your retired professor, you have yourself been asked and have been the commencement speaker a few times. But increasingly to me, it's just me and, you know, sorry to our listeners who, who are disappointed with me and injecting my own opinions here. But to me, the thought of commencement, given the march of ideology through our institutions, especially the academy, I think these things as a custom are more harmful to Western civilization now than, I don't know if they even were beneficial. It was maybe the icing on the cake, the exclamation point of the period, you know, the end of the four years, now go forth and and become a, an honest citizen. But I think they are places where wokeness is reaffirmed. And of course, you know, conservatives need not apply. None are, none are invited to be commencement speakers at any colleges. So those are my uh, grumpy views of commencement. Am I wrong? Is there virtue? Is, are they worth disdaining? Any thoughts, Victor? Former commencement speaker, Victor. No, I think you're right. I, I gave one, oh, 15 years ago, the commencement at St. John's College in Annapolis. I gave one to Pepperdine School of Public Policy. I think I'm supposed to give one in two weeks at the Institute of World Politics in Washington commencement. But there are certain rules, I think, that are important. You shouldn't speak for more than 10 or 15 minutes. And it should be on things of interest to the student challenges and give them some kind of confidence. And that's about as close as you should get to politics. So you should start with the idea that half the people in the audience would disagree with you if you want to get political. So don't get political. It's not an occasion where parents and people who invest a lot of time and money want to hear that they're wrong or incorrect. And yet that's exactly what happens. Uh, Stanford University, I won't mention the speakers. I know him, but he went to Stanford about five years ago and lambasted Trump. And all I heard from about a quarter of the people I talked to were they got up and walked out. This is one of the great moments of their, they felt their kid was graduating from Stanford and they were being addressed as if they were ignorant people who needed to be tutorialed, tutored on the evils of Donald Trump. And that's what they do. They do two things. They pick commencement speakers that will politicize and give a harangue on, you name it, diversity, equity, inclusion, abortion, feminism, racism, transphobia, or they try to make a mockery of it and get some weird Robert De Niro to come, an actor or some kind of stand-up comic or a rapper or somebody whose very presence represents an affront to the people who allowed them to pick the speaker. And that's supposed to be neat or funny or chic. I don't know, but it's kind of like the White House uh, correspondence dinner, right? Right. Everybody thinks it's a really great thing and nobody cares anymore. So when they say, I was a 
a commencement speaker. What does that mean anymore? That means everybody's a commencement. Snoop Dogg has probably been a, a commencement speaker. So it doesn't mean anything anymore. Nobody pays any attention. It's like, yeah. okay, give my kid the diploma, get the guy up there to give this talk, but don't do Palala, please, no more than 10 minutes. I'm typing to see if, if Snoop Dogg Oh, ever was a commencement speaker. Uh, well, I don't have we'll no idea. I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll, oh, he did at Rutgers. <laughs> he did? Holy crap. Yeah. Holy mackerel. Well, anyway, that's too funny and too sad at the same time. Well, Victor, we a few more minutes here on today's episode. The episode that we put up the other day about favorite movies and books, etc. Actually, be, given the the illness, that's something we had pre-recorded for when you were going to be away in Israel, which is still to come. Anyway, a lot of it, it's only been up a day or two, a lot of uh, great response to it so far. And a couple of people email me about books, and I'm putting you on the spot here, but they were curious if you had ever read The Flashman series by George McDonald Fraser. Have you read that? Um, you mean the, uh, not the master and commander one? Uh, no, no, this is, uh, that's kind this, of, a, oh, these are the ones that were in the 1970s. Well, the, this it's set in the late 1800s, but it's oh, these are about the, yeah. Flashman. Yeah. Yeah. I have not, but okay. uh, they were Napoleonic and early 19th century, war novels and stuff yeah well but comical so well anyway you settled the answer you you haven't read them no so i have but people were curious of your your views on them so that's, i need to uh, read them well i, I, I haven't uh, written uh, you know i haven't read enough there was periods in my life when i've had a lot of illnesses i had you know like i said i've had malaria right. i've had amnibic dysentery I've had seven or eight major operations, some of them overseas. And in recovery, that's what I do. I read novels. And otherwise, I've always read, you know, nonfiction, mostly right. his histories, prose right. histories. So I can't speak with any authority on novels of the qual. I wrote a novel, The End of Sparta, but I found it the most difficult thing to do. Well, Much uh, more difficult than writing nonfiction. Several of the writers were shocked that you even had time to read, Victor. So, well, with that said, we are approaching the very end of the show. And I, one other thing related to um, our recent podcast, I'm going to read two comments. One is from the website. Steve Moses wrote, You've Got Mail was a remake of a much better movie, Shop Around the Corner. It starred Jimmy Stewart, not Cary Grant. So this is where I have to seek uh, absolution because I I was commenting on Tom Hanks and my recollection, I was thinking of Sleepless in Seattle, which um, is a remake of An Affair to Remember from the late 50s, which was with Cary Grant and Deborah Carr. So anyway, thanks, Steve, for the correction. Now, we appreciate our growing audience and those who come to iTunes who leave ratings. Thank you very much. And many people leave comments and here are two. One states, howdy, neighbor. I first encountered Dr. Hansen on Megyn Kelly's podcast, promptly became his devoted listener. I look forward to each new episode, and I'm sad when all those on my list are Mark played. I'm a retired attorney living in the Sierra Nevada foothills and think of Dr. Hansen as a friendly neighbor. If that neighbor happened to be a brilliant and learned scholar and keen observer of our political and social worlds, 
I especially appreciate his understanding and respect for real people, acquainted with work and hardships that are unimaginable and of no interest to the ruling class. My one dissatisfaction with the podcast is the delay in availability of episodes. I crave Dr. Hansen's insights on current events and would love to receive them sooner. Thanks to Dr. Hansen and his able co-hosts for all they share with the listeners. That's I, nice. Yeah, it's nice. I cut the name off by mistake. I apologize for that. But you know, I uh, I said we had some technical problems, and I it was the day that I actually got the full blown symptoms, and I was fooling around with the internet, and we have kind of a quota out here of megabytes, and I didn't know how to. I you I do know how to exceed them, but I wasn't thinking. I, I was like a two seconds behind everything. So it, Jack and I tried and tried and tried, and I didn't realize it was my fault. <laughs> and then the ones that we did do a little earlier, I thought, this is very strange. You know, yeah. I would get up and I'd go out, talk to the painters or the skies were pouring cement or digging trenches for conduit, all these major repairs. And then I would get dizzy and I would come back. I thought, this is weird. So I would walk more. And I thought this is, and I didn't know what was going on. This went on for about a week. And then suddenly it hit me that Sunday night. And I thought, wow, I've got a cold. <laughs> I've got the flu, but it wasn't. It was this weird, what do we call it, Jack? When you get sick with it, and this is the second time I've had it, Delta. And by the way, I think this variant of Omicron is much worse than the Delta that I got in September. But you get angry at the Chinese. You think, wow, in some little weird lab, or do you get angry at Anthony Fauci for his gain of function subsidies? They really, somebody really engineered this little sucker. Absolutely. So it would be infectious. It would come back. It would, it was like, they thought, wow, how can we make this thing so infectious? And then just when we're going to kill it, it's going to switch. You know, it's like the, the proverbial devil that has all these different guises right. and appearances. And just when you think you got your arms around him, uh, he, He's got a mellifluous voice and says, let, let me out of jail. And it has a New York accent, Victor, like I do. <laughs> and by the way, the, my our co-alma mater, yes. Fauci and I, uh, uh, Holy Cross has just announced that it is naming the their new big science building after after Tony, after the uh, well, fallen away pro-abortion Catholic who, who helped fund a, a, a disease that has killed millions is getting What are they going to call it? The gain in function medical school? Yeah. Shocking. Well, it's not shocking. That's the problem. Yeah. By the way, the, the person who left that comment was uh, signed it as evil potato. So, uh, well, thank you, evil. Hey, Victor, one, one of my great dreams is to retire in the Sierra Nevada foothills. I have a little place oh. up in the real Sierra higher up, but right. I don't get up there much and i'm kind of in a rut I'm, besides the COVID rut this week but it just seems that you know you think wow when you're 63 you're going to say no no moss 65 you need a little bit more no moss and then you get this hyperinflation and all these right. stuff think well i'll just go to 69 no moss and here i am right. 68 and i'm thinking 71 but right. you got to do it sometime where you're going to die without yeah being yeah, in Sierra, I'm, Sierra, Nevada, I, Hills and I, I thought a couple of years ago, oh, yeah, I was 62. I can, which I am now. I could just pack it in. I'm like, hey, no way. 
<laughs> for another decade. I you know, they just have to keep working. Thanks, Joe Biden. Well, we company. all brag that we're living longer. But what the what's the point if you're just working yourself to the yeah. very end? So to the bone. I shouldn't. Hey, we're kind of hypocrites. Some listeners going to say, "Hey, Victor, you just told us that nobody wants to work." And now you're saying that you don't want to work. Well, there is a difference. If you worked your whole life since you're 16, can't you quit it when you're 65? Remember your parents, that big move, retire when you're 55? Right. That, that right. was. Well, especially, you know, it's, what if you're an iron worker or a carpenter or, you know, working when you're 70 is um, maybe you do that as an academic, right? You can. But the strain on the body. No, you're absolutely right. And I have a guy who's my age. And when I pick up things, I have a torn AC joint in one shoulder that I never took care of. And all these other, you know, adhesions from a couple of three abdominal surgeries. And man, I don't know how he does it. And he's 60, 67. And he's out there working. And there's people older I see out there working. So my grandfather literally died in his bed at 86 after irrigating all day and wow. shoveling. And so, and my other grandfather had mouth cancer from a World War I gassing he got that finally did him in. And he was out breaking horses when he was 79 and then he died. So it's died six weeks later. So it's possible, but the only scary thing is about non-physical labor. You think, well, I don't have to go out there and shovel or carry with my back so I can go longer, but it means that it's predicated entirely on your cerebral responses, your cognitive abilities. Right. And that's something that is scary because you don't quite understand the erosion that's taking place, the word searching, or you, you know, when you get a cold right. or a, a temperature, it just shuts down when you get older. So, and that you can really see it when Joe Biden, he's not even yes. aware that he's in la la land or Nancy Pelosi's in la la land or yeah. Dianne Feinstein is in la-la land. But physically, they think, wow, you know, 80 is a new 60. And you want to say, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Strom Thurmond was in la-la land, but I think he was still reproducing. I think he had enjoyment of youthful <laughs> sex, though. Yes. I mean, he seemed yeah. like he had a younger wife. Yeah, he's uh, remarkable. Well, anyway, Victor, that's about all the time we have today. I'm glad you're back in the saddle, my friend. And thanks to our listeners for listening. And we'll be back again in a couple of days with yet a new episode of the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Jack. Thank everybody for listening. <laughs>